Welcome to the Brainwave Podcast, presented by Windward Group Publishing and Media. I'm Gail Holnick, former radio show host turned novelist and travel book writer, and this is a show about creativity. Each week you'll hear interviews with people from many different creative fields, artists, designers, writers, filmmakers, chefs, architects, choreographers, composers. I'm interested in that charmed moment that leads to a work of art. Where did the idea come from? What did you do next? And what advice would you give others trying to unlock their own creative potential? Thanks for spending some time with me today. Please take a second to tap on the subscribe button on the app. And if you want the episode show notes, please go to windwardgroup.com. That's word with an O. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 46 of the Brainwave podcast. This time, my guest is novelist James A. Ross. Jim is a former congressional staffer, Wall Street lawyer, and Peace Corps volunteer. He's the author of a couple of mysteries that are part of his Coldwater series and an historical fiction novel called Hunting Teddy Roosevelt. I spoke with its author, Jim Ross, in his cabin in Wyoming. Um, There's a bit more background sound than usual in my podcast, but I want you to picture a snowy mountain landscape, a cabin, perhaps with smoke coming from the chimney, coziness inside, and Jim there speaking to me over his computer and temperamental Wi-Fi. Jim, thank you very much for uh, agreeing to do this interview on the podcast today, and welcome. My pleasure to be here, Gal. I'd like to start off by asking you about the idea for your book, Hunting Teddy Roosevelt, and where that came from. Um, Well, it it came um, sitting in my then uh, agent's office, uh, where I was about to sign a contract for a uh, murder mystery series. And uh, at the last minute, the publisher backed out. It was uh, 2008, right after the financial crash. And the uh, the agent said to me, um, you know, basically the publishing industry in its disarray right now. And, uh, you know, if you were a Kennedy or a New York ball player, we could keep going with this book. But why don't we sit down and, and you know, outline your next one? And uh, he had a, um, for want of a better word, formula for what he considered to be the essential ingredients of a successful commercial uh, piece of fiction. And I don't remember all the elements right now, but the top three were uh, exotic locale, larger than life character, and global stakes. Hmm. And um, I had spent uh, quite a bit of time as a young man in uh, Africa, and I'd always wanted to set a book there. So um, uh, exotic locale, check. So as I started to do some research, um, I ran across Teddy Roosevelt's book on his 1909 safari. Uh, and I also ran across an article, a little blurb, in a 1909 Italian newspaper that reported the Naples police had taken a passenger off the ship carrying Roosevelt to Africa uh, who had tried to kill Roosevelt, attacking him with a knife. And that was the genesis of the book, because it it leads to two interesting questions. This is an assassination of Teddy Roosevelt. I've never heard about it. Uh, I got a decent high school education. 
uh, how you know how does one suppress a story about an attempted assassination of Teddy Roosevelt? Because it's nowhere in the history books. It's nowhere in the contemporaneous English language newspapers. It's nowhere in, in his biographies. Did you um, did you at that moment at that point of the whole process? Did you have any suspicion that perhaps it wasn't true? Uh, I certainly had um, uh, questions when I couldn't find anything. I ultimately found two more very similar blurbs in Italian newspapers, and then. A few weeks later, uh, a reprint of those blurbs in uh, a couple of now defunct regional American newspapers. I see from your bio that you were a congressional staffer. And yes. I'm curious as to know to know when that was and how that informs the writing that you do about something political like this. You know, I was very, very lucky in that three things came together for me on this book. One, you know, my time in Africa, that, that allowed me to write uh, with a certain amount of authenticity uh, about that experience. My time on Capitol Hill uh, let, gave me a, a, an insight into the politics that Roosevelt would have been dealing with uh, as a accidental progressive in a conservative environment in an easy time in history where those two forces were battling it out. I mean, he brought in, you know, all sorts of remedial social legislation, um, you know, child labor laws, fair food, and, you know, clean food and drug acts, et cetera, stuff we take for granted now. That was monumental at the time. And having spent some time myself on Capitol Hill, watching these forces duke it out, you know, back in a more polite time, which was the 70s, uh, it, it gave me, I think, sufficient insight to carry that piece off. And then finally, I spent the rest of my life on Wall Street. So J.P. Morgan was like, you know, people I'd worked with mm-hmm. and uh, warts and all. So it, it was a, a, a perfect combination. The three elements of the book happened to correspond to the three biggest periods of my adult working life. Three fascinating um uh, pools to be in. I mean, mm-hmm. Think of it that way. Like, like you, you mentioning Africa, now I have this vision of a watering hole with the the leopards and the lions mm-hmm. and the elephants and the antelope and so on. But of the three, Africa, Congress, Capitol Hill, or mm-hmm. Wall Street, which is the most lethal in your mind? Well, um, I would say Africa because um, uh, my personal experience there. Uh, uh, was uh, at least in the mid seventies. It was probably the most dangerous spot on the planet. Um, you know, Ebola, dysentery, Homa, you name it. Uh, child soldiers carrying AK forty sevens. You know, to mm-hmm. rob and hassle people. Um, you know, at every street corner. I, actually, again on my website, there's a a story I told for the Moth Radio Hour about that period in time. Um, the uh, white knuckle adventures of having to get my uh, then girlfriend and later wife out of um, harm's way when uh, 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 Cuban and Angola rebels were invading the capital of Kinshasa uh, in the Congo and basically slaughtering everybody. Uh, So yeah, I'd say in terms of danger, Africa, Mm -hmm. no question. 
Now you had that experience, that period of your life then when it came to writing the book post 2008, did you do further research? What did you do once you decided that that was your outline, that was your plot and so on? What did you do after that? Uh, I began by reading everything Roosevelt had ever written, and he was quite a prolific writer, um, everything written about him. And part of it was in an attempt to corroborate this one little blurb from the 1909 Italian newspaper uh, uh, talking about the attempted assassination. Because I'm well aware, as in writing historical fiction, if you get the details wrong, you're going to hear from the experts like the very next second after publication mm. that you got it wrong. So a lot of it was straight, um, just straight research, making sure I'd read everything. And how about Africa? Did you return there at all? You know, uh, Central Africa is a young man's gig. It practically killed me when I was in my 20s. Going back there uh, now, um, yeah, I wouldn't come back. Uh, I, I jokingly sometimes refer to my long writing apprenticeship in terms of, um, you know, I wrote my first book when I was in college and I published my first one the same year I started collecting Social Security. So there was a, a long <laughs> you know, apprenticeship period. And um, while you can learn a lot of craft in that period, you cannot go back to places like the Congo and, and you know, hope to uh, um, survive, actually, at least not at my age. Mm-hmm. And you also have um, experience writing. Uh, it's not only historical fiction. So you have mysteries that you do. Yes. Uh, Cold Water Confession is out now recently. And I'm curious to uh, to hear about your feeling about the two different genres and which you prefer, if either. Uh, I, I prefer people stories. And they're uh, just different frameworks for um, containing the story. Um, and what I mean by that is to my um, view, the book Hunting Teddy Roosevelt is largely about the relationship between father and son. Uh, uh, Teddy Roosevelt and his son Kermit, who sadly you know, inherited the Roosevelt um, disease of depression, alcoholism, and a few other things. And in many ways, it, it's a tragic family story. Uh, I find in my uh, writing mysteries, the family stories are at the heart and center. Uh, I'm trying to tell a story arc about how individuals and families uh, grow through the challenges that are thrown their way. In historical fiction and hunting, Teddy Roosevelt, the challenge is a global. You know, it's father and son on safari. Father's this larger-than-life character. You know, he may or may not be able to save the world from world war. That's cool. But he's also a dad, and he's on safari with a you know mentally uh, challenged son. And uh, a great deal of the book is how he uh, relates to a son, and they they relate to each other and how they grow together during the course of the safari. That's what interests me. And I think you can use different genres, uh, historical research, mystery, you know, straight commercial fiction, if at the center, it's a people story. 
You mentioned a moment ago, Jim, about uh, the reaction that you get from experts within seconds if the historical facts are are not precise and, and completely accurate. How do you balance the two halves of it in a way of the genre because it's historical, but it's also mm-hmm. fiction. I have mm-hmm. met a few people who, who who hide behind a fiction in a way, but if you sort of right. say to them, there is no, you know, Albuquerque street in Santa Fe, they might say it's fiction. You know, I made it up and that's, that's all okay. But I'm wondering, I'm curious how, how rigid you are about the actual facts as you go through. Um, not rigid enough because I did hear, almost immediately from a botanist uh, who after reading Auntie Teddy Roosevelt um, asserted uh, with a fair degree of anger that I had misplaced certain plants in their you know natural habitat that mm-hmm. you know such and such would not be found on the setting arid plain it would be on the you know Arusha plateau or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, dude, I guess I got that wrong. When I was there, they were just green. And when I went to, uh, you know, Taylor's, uh, you know, book of gardening or whatever source I used and looked it up, the map said they grew there. So check the box, they grow there. But it, it's, you know, that was the, fortunately, the only pushback I got from an expert on uh, hunting Teddy Roosevelt. Jim, I've enjoyed this very much. Thank you so much for the conversation. Well, thank you, Gail. It's been a pleasure. Jim writes as James A. Ross, and his website is jamesrossauthor.com. Next time on the Brainwave Podcast, my guest is author Sari Fordham, who has written a memoir based on her family's experiences in Idi Amin's Uganda. And this time I leave you with a quote from Arthur Rimbaud. True alchemy lies in this formula, your memory and your senses are but the nourishment of your creative impulse. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and found it helpful. If you did, please mention it to a few friends or pass it along on social media and tag us if you do. And please tap the subscribe button on your podcast app and take a minute to leave a ranking or review. You might also like the backlist available at Windward Group Publishing and Media. And that's www.windwardgroup.com slash brainwavepodcast. And Windward is spelled W-I-N-D-W-O-R-D. You'll also find the show notes for today's episode there too. If you'd like to connect, you can find us on Facebook at Windward Group Publishing and Media, on Twitter at Windward Publish, and on Instagram at Windward PNM. I'm Gail Holnick. Please join us next time.